Hello and welcome to Auric Digital's How to Make a Video Game Podcast. Here, you'll be entertained, informed and enlightened by the many goings-on within the studio as we introduce you to our projects, our colleagues and give you a little insight into how we operate. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Auric Digital's How to Make a Video Game, the podcast. My name is Matthew, I'm the audio designer and one part of the machine that is this podcast. And today we're talking about something that we've talked about a bit, quite a bit in the past, in the throughout the eight seasons strong of episodes we've been putting out there now. And we're talking Warhammer. Uh, we've got Thomas, our studio director, back on the on the pod today. He's going to be talking about some of the common themes, threads, differences between the fantasy side of Warhammer and the more sci-fi focused side. So I'm not going to begin to pretend that I'm an expert on this kind of stuff. I'm a developing adult nerd when it comes to Warhammer. So I'm looking forward to being part of what will essentially be a seminar to me, a one-to-one seminar uh, with our studio director, Thomas, on this stuff, whom is quite the expert. So with that in mind, on that note, I'm going to shut up and get to the ident to bring in Thomas. Thomas, welcome back to the pod. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Pleasure to be back. Uh, always, always enjoyable to come back on our podcast. I feel like a like a semi permanent, uh, so half a special guest and half a, a, a presenter. Yeah, as I've been around a bit, for, certainly for this season, anyway. Definitely, definitely. There's there's definitely some ground in there for you to kind of transcend both a guest and a and a presenter sort of thing. But so we we've talked about. And we've mentioned Warhammer a lot throughout the eight seasons of the podcast now. Um, but what's the angle with this one here? Yeah, well, we, you know, th- this came out of really, you know, obviously it, between the last season and this season, we announced Bolt Gun. Mm. Obviously, we knew we were working on it when we did the last <laughs> season and we we talked about Warhammer that, you know, part of the reason. And if you go back and we listen to that one, you'll you'll hear that they're kind of very much retro. And that's because a lot of our heads, you know, within the studio were very much thinking about the, the retro angle of things because of that project. Um, in, in this episode, you know, my head's still in a bit of that. I want to look at the, some of the, the commonalities and the differences between the two Warhammers because, you know, the, there's Warhammer, the fantasy, and there's Warhammer, the science fiction. Um, and the fantasy one is expressed with Warhammer's fantasy roleplay and Age of Sigmar and Warcry, uh, Warhammer Total War in video games, brilliant game. Uh, and the science fiction one, you've obviously got Warhammer 40,000, you know, the original, uh, but things like Kill Team, Necromunda, Chaos Gate, Horus Heresy, you know, there's lo- lots of stuff within there. And But they share this Warhammer commonality, uh, so I wanted to look at a little bit of that. Um, now, the fantasy version originally sort of came back in 1983, um, and by the time we got Warhammer 40,000, the fantasy was on its third edition. So that's 1987. Um, and I've still got my copy of White Dwarf issue 92 when on the inside cover, they have this fantastic preview advert for this new thing, Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader. And there's an image of what you would later find out is a Crimson Fist Space Marine. Um, yeah, so, you know, I remember having that White Dwarf opening it and going, whoa, what is this? Very excited. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was on my like my my Christmas list from my mum. I, I want this Warhammer forty thousand thing when it comes out. Um, so I was playing Warhammer Fantasy Battle at the time already, and when forty k came out, obviously I, I I lurched into that too. And actually, a lot of the shared gameplay systems between both made that 
really easy for me, and that was great. So uh, I had a bunch of demon miniatures uh, for use in Fantasy Battle. And of course, in 40k, because you had warp demons, that was no problem. Uh, the rules for Fantasy Battle, for example, had flintlock weapons, because the, the Empire setting in Fantasy Battle um, is that kind of renaissance era, sort of 14th, 15th century. Um, so they had, you know, there, were, there was muskets in it, and dwarven troops used gunpowder and stuff like that. And then, you know, if you get the, if you've got a copy of Rogue Trader, which I, I have, the original, my, my original, uh, you go to page 73, and you've got the stat block for muskets. Uh, and it was, there's this great little note on it saying they were used on the planet of Birmingham in the 34th <laughs> millennium. And ironically, again, I was playing Warhammer 40,000 in Birmingham. Oh, right. <laughs> I, um, I've got family there. So I good. was living there at that time. My mum my lived just outside Birmingham at the time as well. <laughs> so I know Birmingham. And Birmingham was my local games workshop, the one in that was originally in um, the Palisade Shopping Centre in Birmingham. That, that was my original um, and then it moved to the bull ring. So, you know, I knew all that really well and loved that little reference. Um, but but it had this great idea. And again, this is one of the strengths, I think, of the, the settings is it's like it sets a framework, but it gives you the ability to do your own thing within it. So, you, could, you know, over the vast number of planets in 40K, there would be planets where the tech level was gunpowder or even before. So you could reuse all of your fantasy miniatures in there. And that made perfect sense. Uh, and I, I could and did reuse them in 40K. So yeah, the, the, so if you play, uh, if you look at first edition 40k and third edition Fantasy Battle, the stat blocks are basically the same thing. You know, the the class, the now classic move, weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, toughness, wounds, initiative, attacks, leadership, cool, willpower, profile, um, and they were also the same numerical basis. And by that I mean, you know, a three weapon skill in one game is the same as a three weapon skill in another game. Uh, and in, in fact, you know, in the early days. Uh, Games Workshop would often have the same book, would do both. So Warhammer Siege book, the Realm of Chaos books. They were basically, you would buy those books if you played one or one fantasy or science fiction or both because the, the, the units and the stat blocks were were the same right. between them. So they were, they were intermingled. You don't get that now. You don't buy a book and it's either for Age of Sigma or 40K. It, they're separate because the, the system's evolved, understandably. Yeah. Um, but back then, they, there was a lot of crossover. Um but that meant it was really easy to learn. So from my point of view, it was great. So as well as as well as the shared rules and systems, there was a big share of the ethos. And, and again, this is a different from where it is now. Uh, and this this harks back to if you remember, Warhammer Fantasy Battle came out of you know uh, the time Games Workshop was still doing Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons itself came out of wargaming was like an evolution of wargaming from mass combat where you have lots of units into where you're, you know, as a player only controlling one unit. Um, and this idea of a games master, like a dungeon master mm -hmm. playing the thing. So Warhammer Fantasy Battle and Warhammer Fantasy both had this idea of it's a good idea to have a games master. You didn't have to, um, but it, it did there. And it was very, like I say, it comes out of an RPG where RPGs were the dominant form of tabletop gaming, really. Um, at that point and so that that loop comes out but but i say that the kind of fascinating loop is you know in terms of the timelines um you know D, &D came out in 1974 uh and you know so first edition fantasy battle is only nine years after D, &D first appears so it's D, &D, D, D like i say comes out of a wargaming scene right so there's a kind of interesting thing where the, the people who created D, &D gygax and arniston um 
they 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 were playing miniatures war games and Napoleonic war games and World War Two war games and stuff like that. And so there was a referee in those sort of games. And they they shifted that idea of the referee from being more of a rules lawyer to more of a storyteller, yeah. more of a person you play against. And that that's what happened with the dungeon master in D anD D. And that's why you can see there's a games master in these early versions of Fantasy Battle and, and Warhammer Forty Thousand. Um, and you know, and again, there's there's a lot of cross linkages between that because Games Workshop they they had the the deal you know back in you know 1977 they had the deal to be the distributor for Dungeons and Dragons in the UK from TSR. So you know they were clearly enmeshed in the D and D world. Um, so you can kind of see how those sort of things interlock. And what I think is interesting now is that while the GM role has pretty much gone from all these games um, within Games Workshop stuff, certainly, and, and like I say, I think across all gaming as a whole, the idea of the more narrative set one is very much with us and is is still really interesting. Um, so you know, I'm playing Blackstone Fortress, um, and that you know absolutely has that strong narrative thing with the, with the miniature. It's like hybrid board game, war game sort of thing. Um, and then again, you know, again, harking back, you had, so Warhammer, in the early days of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, they produced these modules that were much more like adventure modules you get in Dungeons and Dragons. So rather than it being, you know, pick your factions, everything like that, there were preset armies, there were preset bands, there was battles, there was a narrative, and you would work your way through that narrative, fighting the battles described. So there's this great one called the Tragedy of Macbeth. <laughs> obviously based on the play that shall not be named <laughs> by Shakespeare um but but I think interesting now in Kill Team like Kill Team Nakamund you see this thing with the preset factions and units and narratives um just without the the games master in it but it you know it's going for that really strong narrative element within it uh which I'm currently painting up the Eldar Corsair from Nakamund um but yeah, the, the narrative setting, I, I think, you know, talking of narrative, the narrative setting is a good example of a common aesthetic. So, you know, while the narrative world, well, are the narrative worlds of games of fantasy and science fiction? I think it's canon that they're not, as I understand it, but I, I don't have any special insider knowledge there. Um, but there's a definite aesthetic, which now we call grimdark, but obviously back in those days, it didn't really have a name. Um, it was its own thing. Um, but over the decades, they've both evolved their own settings. But that common aesthetic is still there. The, the skulls, the chaos, the spiky bits. The share, there's a lot of shared factions, obviously. Um, and, yeah, again, early on, so around that time of third edition fantasy, first edition 40K, the faction, the, the identities between the factions and the sharing of the factions was much, much stronger. Um, that They've evolved in their own way now, as you'd expect them to. Um and, and again, there's, there was this kind of rumor on, you know, that you see now and then popping up online that actually they are in the same world, which is this great idea that um, Sigmar, the, you know, the, the the god king of Warhammer Fantasy, was actually one of the lost Primarchs from the 40k universe. And so the entire of Warhammer Fantasy, the old world, is simply one planet in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. And Sigmar landed on that planet. And, and that's why that whole thing is a cool idea. But, yeah. but as I understand it, it's not correct. <laughs> But yeah, chaos is the yeah chaos. Like I said, chaos is a big part of the fantasy setting now um, of uh, Age of Sigmar, and it's a huge part of the 40k setting as well. And I think it's a thing that that makes the entire Warhammer setting really distinct from other fantasy settings. Is it has this strong narrative element of how chaos really pervades almost every aspect of the world. 
you know, is both the, the reason they have magic in the fantasy and the reason the world's decaying away. It's the reason you have space travel in 40K and also the reason, you know, factions are being destroyed by chaos. It, it's simultaneously a force that is used and a force that is corrupting and destroying. And I think that balance, that, that strong narrative tension is a really interesting thing they've explored. Uh, and I mentioned earlier on that there was the two classic Realm of Chaos books. Uh, each one covered two factions back then, and I think they've issued, reissued them and updated them a couple of times over the years. Um, but not only do they share the, the Chaos Gods, because obviously that's a big thing that both games share, the Chaos Gods. So inarguably, they, there's sort of a connection there in terms of the, the, the setting that they have those. But the they have some other Chaos beings as well that are shared as well. So, you know, uh, there's, there's a there's a demon Nakari, which is a keeper of secrets of Slinch or Slanesh, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, and in Warhammer Armies, Demons of Chaos, the eighth edition, in 40k, uh, Nakari is there during the fall of the Eldari. Um, but also in the fantasy setting, Nakari is a character there as well. So not just are the Chaos Gods there, the Chaos Powers but the demons are kind of shared across there. And there's also one really interesting bit where narratively the worlds were actually set. And for that, you've got to roll back to White Dwarf 108, which is 1988. So the year after 40K comes out, there was a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay adventure, which again, I, I, I have the, the issue of White Dwarf within, it's great, called Terror in the Darkness. And spoilers, so skip forward a few minutes if you want to look that <laughs> up and play it with people. If you don't, here's the spoiler of why they're connected. So in the game, the the the, the, the players are called to a, a town which makes its living from a mine, and the mine can't be used at the moment because there's a creature in the mine, and it's killing miners, and it's stopping the mine being able to be used. And essentially the town hires the players to go, can you go in that mine and get rid of this creature. You don't know what that creature is. The the, G, the games master does. The creature is an amble, and an amble is a monster from Warhammer Forty Thousand Road Trader. It's like a. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, Matt. They're, they're in Blackstone yeah, Fortress. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the of the ambles. Yeah, they're nasty things. Yeah, yeah. They, they eat through rock. Really strong. Really powerful. When they come in Blackstone Fortress, you just gotta like leg it or <laughs> pour everything you can into trying to kill them. They're really hard. Um, but yeah, so, so what, what happens in this, this adventure is there is a, it, it notes that basically in the, the writing to it, like, oh yeah, there's an amble in the mine and the amble's what's kill you know, it's what's made the mine unusable and has killed some miners. And, and then there's a little bit in the, well, how did it get there? You know, like, how did this mine, how did this amble get in this mine in fancy? And the, in the text, it says there's a one way warp gate from a future time and a very future time and distant place. And it mentions the death world, Lucifer McIntyre 9. Um, and, and that's what's interesting is they're basically saying, like in this adventure in White Dwarf, a creature from Rogue Trader ends up in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, implying that chaos connects these places. So it's a strong implication there beyond the same gods being in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just as a sort of jaunt back through it, you can kind of see there that we've got this interesting idea of the gods the demons the setting the chaos the skulls the grim dark you know uh that a lot like i say a lot of the factions um uh because you know the original thing we, we we might forget now but the idea of 40k was 
wouldn't it be cool what all those fantasy races would be in space so you know rogue trader has elves but they're they're pirates or mercenaries rogue trader has dwarves but they're the squats rogue trader you know and and fancy battle both had slan um obviously the human factions but over time as, as i mentioned you know it has the orcs it has goblins um but obviously they're, they're, they're different that they become different each one but those classic fancy races but uh, but there's ones that they didn't they didn't share across there too but over time each of those sort of goes their own way and they evolve it into their own thing but i, I think it's that simultaneously familiar but different that that gives the the strength of the identity across these two universes and how they are or maybe not connected mm. Mm. so hopefully that's a quite a fun jaunt through all that stuff and if you enjoyed that um yeah please do check out our other episodes or podcasts on the origins of 40k and also the ones on dark future and uh yeah please if you've not heard of bolt gun why not uh please do go and check out the trailer we were incredibly pleased when that dropped and the fan reaction to that's been fantastic mm-hmm. and uh yeah you can go and wish list bolt gun and sign up to our newsletter which links will be in the podcast episode yes at some point i do believe we're gonna have to i don't know hire some sort of um conference hall whack up a stage uh get the man that is thomas rawlings a mic and a speaker and an audience so he can do this stuff live because uh comprehensive doesn't quite cut it when it comes to thomas and everything that is warhammer um but it's deep it's, it's always a deep dive. It's always educational about what this stuff involves, what it includes, the differences, the variations of it all. And as Thomas mentioned, um, there's a whole host of Warhammer-related content throughout the seasons that we've put out there now in podcast material. So please do go back through some of the episodes and have a look, have a bit of a dig, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that covers so many different aspects of that world and universe. So anyway, I've been Matthew. I hope you've enjoyed this little deep dive into Warhammer again. It's been thrilling, and we'll see you in the next one. In the fast-paced realm of the games industry, the best way to keep up to date with everything happening at Oroch Digital is to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using the handle at Oroch Digital. And we're on LinkedIn too, as Oroch-Digital-Limited. We also encourage you to sign up to our mailing list to receive regular newsletters that go into more detail about our projects and to join our community Discord, who are the first to hear our updates. You can subscribe to the mailing list and join the Discord on our website, orocdigital.com. And whilst you're on the website, be sure to check out our recruitment page under orocdigital.com forward slash jobs, where we post all employment opportunities. Links to all these socials and more are in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.